but here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will I mean, you don't even have to think about it. Like, so let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to do rhyme it. Just yeah, that's where he just ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not gonna remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. Look at the Rams today and ram it. Now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Ram it. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod, and I'm your host Dean, and I'm joined by the other host and my brother Nick. And Nick, after another tough loss, we fall into three and five. How the mighty have fallen. How are you tonight? Well, could be better. Um, to lose in such heartbreaking fashion like that, and then all day see how Tom Brady is the goat. I mean, every time I think about losing this year, it just makes me so much greater that they won last year. <laughs> yeah, every single time. It's yeah, every single week. If they lose, it just reminds me of how lucky, how fortunate we were last year for everything to happen, and then on the Tom Brady being the goat thing, like. It, that it's weird because if you win that game, you're talking about how you just beat Tom Brady, the goat and your season's back on track. And it's amazing what a, what three and five will do to you, what an actual loss did and the mindset that it instills in all fans and the media and just completely changes the narrative on what it potentially could have been. And it's an opportunity, Nick, I feel like they had control of the game. It was an opportunity to get the season back on track, but there's too many holes on this team on the Bucks. I mean, it was just an ugly football game. The Bucks six drops. It looked like more. Um, they they were horrible as well. Um, but to for them to put together a drive with forty four seconds and score on us, um, really uh, defense was checked out at that point. And yeah, as they should I, have been. Yeah, I don't really blame them. Uh, we are. I think we are like bottom five teams in the NFL right now, like up there with Texans and Lions and then Rams. And it's just a shame when you turn it around from a Super Bowl to just St. Louis poverty that fast. Um, statistically, you're not wrong. Like I want to argue with you, but statistically it's, it's the fact. No, I mean, there is nothing. I get all excited all week to watch a Rams game. And I'm like, what am I happy about? What is there to root for? Like, it is, it's St. Louis Rams football where it's like the offense is horrendous, uh, worst in the league, and the defense can hold teams to the end zone and then give them three. So it, it's a really weird time to be a Rams fan right now. And grateful is still how I feel, but with the drama that's now seems like it's going on in the locker room, that gratitude is quickly turning into panic. Yeah, no, I know how you mentioned it. it's kind of like St. Louis football. It's a great analogy, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, I want to be as angry as I possibly can be because you're dealing with a three and five football team, but you're still living off of the coattails of what happened last year. Like there's still everything that happened last year is still very much in place. History is defined. They have the ring. They want it in their house. Only the second team to do that ever. But 
for them to put this kind of product on the field, it's just not expected within this regime. Like you don't, you've never seen McVay, a McVay team be three and five. You've seen Kyle Shanahan's team be three and five year and year again, and then make a miraculous run. And it, but it's because you have personnel and you're able to get a scheme together. And they they don't feel like they have enough on their roster to be able to become the team that they were last year, or even half of what they were last year. So that's the really unfortunate part. But Nick, before we jump any deeper into this episode, would you like to give us a read from one of our sponsors? Yeah, why not? Let's do this. Ooh, actually got a real crack there. Very cartoonish of you. Basketball is back, and Bet Online re- remains your. Uh, see, I already messed it up. God, <laughs> this is what the Rams do. <laughs> Can you give me a countdown? Oh, right, ready? Look down. Yeah, look just down. go. Go. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports betting and wagering, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, always the easiest. Bet Online, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Do not put your hard-earned money on the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> Some good advice from the king of Nick's picks and the creator of a weekly theme song, which is now the most enjoyable part of the podcast. So thank you, Nick. Everyone's saying it. Everybody's saying it. <laughs> so the offense, I want to start with the offense. Um, just because it has no specific personality. Right, it's, It seems like it's so drastically different from McVay's offenses of the past five years. This offense specifically has no guts, no balls, no glory. Like when they try to take a shot, like I saw Van Jefferson dropped, you know, an overthrow by Matthew Stafford because he's off his spot and there's pressure in his face. And the Rams offense, Nick, to me, used to be very rhythmic. They had great tempo and they were sound in almost every every single area right you go from running the running the ball to the guys up front to the scheme they had in place to the playmakers that they had on the roster they were a complete offense and now it has no rhythm no flow and it's very much dependent on a couple of big plays and if those big That's plays it. don't happen yeah if those big plays don't happen i mean you're consistently putting up 13 points and they even had one in this game that shot that they took to cooper cup for 70 plus yards Allen almost snapped the ball over Matthew Stafford's head. He had to grab it with one hand, bring it back in, and then had less than three seconds to make a throw downfield. So it's they have no middle of the of the field passing attack. Like their screen game is stale. Everything is very very predictable, and it's um, the kind of game that when you watch the flow of it, like and you see that one miraculous big play, you don't feel like it's going to be consistent enough throughout the stretch of the game, and in the most important parts of the game, specifically when you're under two minutes. Right when you have to be able to put together a solid drive, Nick. How many three and outs did they go in this game? What nine, ten, three and outs? I think it was nine. It's just it's very emblematic of the evolution of this league getting figured out, losing key personnel, and not having the people up front. And that you know the frustrations will just kind of trickle all the way down, like from the front office to the coaching staff to the players, and, and you see it like you've. You're seeing stuff come out of in press conferences. You're still Jalen Ramsey's making comments. Cooper Cup made comments. It's an uncomfortable position to be in. Yeah. Something that just popped in my mind. You remember paint by colors when you were a kid? You know, very easy filling the lines. You know, yes. it's like the picture's there and you just fill it in. Yes. I feel like we are dealing with McVeigh by colors. I am seeing the rudimentary elementary school version 
of what a masterpiece his offense used to be because it has all the workings. It has the jet sweeps. It has the abandoning the run game. It has it all. And yet there's, it, it feels like there's zero creativity. There's no help from the offensive line. And then anytime you do have momentum, any kind of momentum, you immediately throw it off by doing something like stopping running, stop running the ball after you get three great runs into the end zone and then three pass plays in a row, none of them are completions, and you settle. And on top of that, you have a quarterback in Stafford who is not making his signature sidearm cool guy throws this year. He's just not. And that's just like that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's the stuff that you can't afford to miss because then everything else crumbles. And yeah, it it just feels like they really don't care. I mean, there are people there that care. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup. They are a, you, you watch the press conferences, you see them playing. They want to win these games. I see McVay on the sidelines. He looks like a different version of himself. Same with Stafford. I see no legitimacy and urgency in them at all. I saw it in the first game with McVay. He's yelling at everybody after the game. And then after that, it has been complacency. And this is a team that has thrived off not allowing complacency throughout their entire run. And now McVay is the one who's complacent. And it's it's frustrating. And I'm happy that we can talk about it because this has been bottled in my head for, <laughs> for all, all day. Very, very, very difficult to argue with any of that. I think the Stafford issue specifically is twofold. One, it's that the running game is just not consistent. And quite frankly, it's awful. And then two, the Rams' offense is so much based around timing and allowing routes to develop downfield and having protection and, you know, being complex and, and being, um, you know, confusing what's going on with the, the opposing defense, making sure that everything is disguised and everything kind of runs out of the same motions. And those jet motions and those jet sweeps, they're incorporated in key moments. And it's not just one specific reliable play that is the only way to get your run game going. And that's why it's so frustrating is just because, one, the complacency, which it seems like they've fallen under. Two, it seems like the offensive coordinator isn't helpful whatsoever. And the offensive coordinator that was good and was a part of this team is now Minnesota and is 7-1. 7-1. and one. The, the Cam Akers saga, which I feel like just kind of dragged the entire team down and felt like there was an obligation to give him carries in this game when you didn't necessarily have to, which threw off the whole flow of – like running backs are all based on getting the ball and getting in rhythm and getting hit and then taking that flow of the game and just kind of incorporating it into their style. And that's what you're not getting because you're there's no consistency in play calling. It's just really just a mess of an offense. And the offensive line is putrid. Like you're watching guys like Bobby Evans called him the liability yesterday, like the Ole, where it just looks like he's just there's no there's no skill there. And combine that with the fact that there's no effort and just looks like confusion. I, I mean, it's very, very easy to get aggravated with this offense. So I understand where you're coming from. And week in and week out, you know that you have a poor offensive line. Draw up schemes to get the ball in Stafford's hands fast. You understand. I mean, this league is about growth. And like you said, all the Rams plays of prior, it, it's, it's a lot of development. You know, it, it forces the defenses and the safeties to not know where 
you know, the ball's going so Cooper Cup can get open deep. And if you don't have time for that, you have to mix it up. And yep. that's the complacency. And that's the that's the huge frustration for me, from Jalen Ramsey, from Cooper Cup. You know, it's coming from inside the building now. And yeah, I just don't feel like McVay really has his heart in it this year. I think they got kicked early um, and then they just haven't responded. It's like, it, you know, you got punched in the face and you walked away. Yeah, there's some legitimate stubbornness, I think, that's going on with McVay. And, and you know, when you, when you have a plan and then you get punched in the mouth and you can't recover from it, like, I feel like they had a legitimate plan up front, at least one that they sold to us, where they told us that Joe Nopum was going to step in, fill in for Andrew Whitworth with next to no drop-off, which is something that, man, I had to be freaking crazy when I believed that. That was just so right. I mean, we were high. I was high from <laughs> February until September on a Super Bowl, so... Oh, I thought you meant the other thing. Um, okay. Well, that, you know, that's, I don't know what kind of bill of rights I was sold on Joe Newpum, but it was a, it was a lie. Um, and then, you know, the left guard, David Edwards, just two freak concussions in back-to-back weeks was put on the IR and then right guard, right guard, Logan Bruss is supposed to be the guy that fills in out of Wisconsin for Austin Corbett. And, you know, I really liked Austin Corbett. I thought he was serviceable for three years. He won a Super Bowl. He was always healthy. He was big up front. He was complimentary to Allen as he was developing. And then, you know, you just let him go walk to the Panthers because the price they paid was too high. And Logan Bruss gets hurt within the first snap of his career. And, you know, that's then there's no plan. And not many teams should should have a plan after that many guys go down. But it's this is the league that you're in. And considering how much injury luck you've had over the past five years, you know, you should expect some of these things to eventually happen. If the Rams do, and I was reading this from Jordan's Twitter as she was, um, I guess she had, there was a press conference with McVay recently that they just went through. And he was talking about potentially rotating in another player in the interior offensive line. That's nine different starting offensive line units throughout nine different games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's That's an excuse. Yep. Well, it's it's an excuse, but at the same time, I, I mean, that's you, it's almost an impossible formula to win with. And you combine that, compile it with the fact that there's no legitimate commitment to the run game. Like you see 24 carries on the box score, 12 to Henderson, 2 to Brown, 5 to Akers, 3 to Cop for 1 yard. And and Matthew Stafford gets sacked twice, so gets, you know, considered on that's not actual actually a carry. So that's I don't know the, the run game and all the moving pieces on offense and the fact that it's this whole McVeigh offense in general seems like it's just fallen stale, like a box of old frosted flakes that's sitting in the back of the pantry. That's and where then, my, where my frustration lies. Just to speak on the stubbornness of this team, which is clearly apparent. Um, something that I didn't even think about a couple weeks ago, the trade deadline comes up, right? Mm-hmm. And who do they go after? Just, Giant superstar playmakers, Burns, CMC. Did you even like try to get anybody on a on like the offensive line that you could have brought in? I mean, like address the problems that are clear and apparent. Like, yeah, run game, but still, without an offensive line, it's going to be like really hard for for Christian McCaffrey to even get out there, get started. So, it's it's a formula that is solved by the NFL. He, you know, he had it in 2018. Belichick figured it out, solved it in the Super Bowl. And then last year he got to bring in Stafford and he got to 
be the you know the coach that he wanted and come up with these giant scheme plays downfield. One yep, A version of the offense, what he initially dreamed it to be. Mm-hmm. And then now here we are, and you don't have time to, to develop plays, and you look bad, and it's just it's a really really tough place to be when you have a generational talent in Cooper Cup. And he's the only person that that you're relying on, and he's single-handedly getting us into the end zone, and you can't do anything outside of giving him the ball. Yeah. I mean, we got it. We just recently got an anonymous text. It wasn't anonymous. It was our dad. But he mentioned if we got CMC, we would be five and three. I I don't know if I could agree with that. I I disagree. I think you probably win in Tampa because you can probably get that third and five. I just don't know. Uh, the like, fact that they didn't go at, go off for that and that cup slid um, drove me mad. I knew the game was over then. I actually had to leave because I was like, I'm not – I like I know the game's going to end. I know it's Tom Brady. These are the moments that this guy lives for. Yeah. This is the moments that this guy divorced his wife for. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, of course he's going to score. Yeah. I mean, well, Cooper Cup came out after the game and he said, we only had to run three plays and average 3.5 yards to win the game. You've got to find a way to move the line of scrimmage and get the ball 10 yards. The defense did such a great job and we let them down. So here's my thing with the Cooper Cup slide, Nick. <laughs> a great comment you made on Tom Brady there. But aside of, of Brady and Cooper Cup sliding at the end of the game, another player that's has the highest of high football IQs and knows exactly what to do in every single situation. Is that his fault that he has the ball in a jet sweep and the, the play call actually forced him to go towards the the boundary when he's trying to not get tackled out of bounds to stop the clock. Like you're giving this guy too much to process in real time. Yeah. I guess the simple explanation is if you get the first down, you're good, but also you're running this play and you have to deal with the fact that Tampa does have a timeout. So if you do stay in bounds, the clock does keep running and then they could burn their final timeout. And then you're relying on getting the third and five. Yeah. Which, which you didn't even go for. I know. Which, which you waved your, little flag of white and you're like "Eh, we're gonna run it obviously we're gonna punt it good luck and you put yourself in a situation to fail and yeah Yeah. do we have Jared Goff as our quarterback question Sean did you not get the guy that you wanted to get for these situations like and then you go out there and you run the ball because you don't trust the people that you have pathetic pathetic and it's totally agree it is so yeah. hard. It's so hard to watch. That was calling. Down that was the biggest heartbreaking loss since 2019 playoffs, I think. Or no, sorry, 2020 playoffs. The 2019 Ravens game, I thought, was one of the biggest letdowns in the McVay era, right? Where they, I think they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs in that time. Are you saying the loss to the Packers mm-hmm. in the divisional round was one that was? That was the last time I felt this much hurt from this Rams team. Right. Yeah. Understandable, understandably so. I think that's where it truly gets frustrating. And it's it's really particularly the play call. I think the play call specifically down the stretch was what was the most frustrating piece of it all because you're just not aggressive. And it's, you know, it's he talks about big balls and and just going for it and and you know, being that team that wants to represent themselves that way, the gutsy team that's that's going all in. And you know, that's kind of the the personality that they take on in the third and five. You're ultra conservative and I don't know if that's the only play, a jet sweep that McVay feels like he can get five yards on the ground, which is why it was called. He doesn't need like, to be on the ground, though. I guess he felt like it was the safest play for him to 
get five yards, potentially get seven or eight and ice the game. But I, I mean, no, you're, I, you're giving your best player too much to process in real time when it's like, if I go out of bounds, the clock stops. But if I get the first down, then we win the game. But if I slide in bounds and they can burn a turnover, like you, I mean, there's how many cans and, and cans on that call. You're forcing him to go close to the edge. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're you're kind of forcing him based on the play design for him to make all these decisions. I mean, you could blame Cooper Cup for I guess for not being aggressive enough to get the first down, but is that really like yeah, how do you blame somebody that's sixty seven percent of the entire offense? Yeah, and that's, it feels like he's like ninety percent. Let's be real. No, I mean this is Nick. The the box score is outrageous. Like Cooper Cup, eight receptions for one hundred and twenty seven yards and a touchdown on nine targets. The long was sixty nine yards. Allen Robinson. Three catches for 24 yards, five targets. Like there's a severe 103-yard drop-off between receiver one and receiver two. And then Malcolm Brown, one for 10. Brandon Powell falls right back into the Brandon Powell bag that, you know, you write him off on your playbook, you checked off, you called the play. One reception for how many yards? Where is he? Brandon, for four yards. That's the his contribution to the offense. I just think, yeah. And he took the opening kickoff, Nick. He's trying to run over people at 5'7 and 180 pounds. Like, this guy's begging to have the ball in your offense, and there's nothing that you can do in terms of creativity to get it in his hands. No. It's it's alarming. It's, 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 it's weak, really. I mean, even, uh, like, it's at the point where I'm begging you to give Skoranek the ball to change things up. <laughs> like, like that's that's where we are. Which is absurd how we've gotten to that point where I was like, I don't want somebody like this carrying the ball. Now it's like, for the love of God, be creative. Yeah, but there was a point in the season where it felt like that scheme was somewhat working, right? You have. Yeah, it was working against Carolina and Atlanta. Arizona and Atlanta, right. But I mean, this defense is nothing to ride home about. You had a legitimate opportunity to to break the game open in multiple times, multiple opportunities, especially on the the carry where Henderson went for 23 yards and they were down on the four-yard line and they went pass, pass, pass. So frustration. I mean, and then you got to watch Brady win, crush dreams, and then Mahomes the game after, crush dreams. And it's just, it's like. Well, I mean. I think this should put some things in pers- into perspective here for a second because we are very down on them right now. Let's go to our friends in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin for a second. Um, look at the Packers. The yeah. Same same model, you know, old experience of that quarterback uh, playing with like pieces that are half of what he had last year, and you start the year and you're just like, all right, let's figure it out. Like we, we have this, we have so much strong ego and mind power in this room with LaFleur and McVay that we are fine. And, and we got our guy, we got the quarterback. We can't have a losing season three and six lost to the lions and no super bowl win, no NFC championship to even hold your hat on last year. They lost to the giants, the jets, the commanders and the lions. I don't know if you could four like, weeks. And and those are some of the most poverty franchises around of the last 15 20 years. Yeah, besides yeah. the giants. I mean, uh, of the last years of like a lifetime. You know what I mean? Like take out the giants, but over the last couple of years, yeah, obviously them, but jeez, that is that is bleak. And you know, we can still chalk it up as hangover and 
you know, things aren't like over in LA. It's not like next year, this is going to be the identity of our team, but you wait so long for this as a fan. And, and, and you come into the year with great players like Aaron Donald, who had a great day yesterday. Um, and you just get yourself ready for all these games and you want to be worrying about January football. And, you know, maybe we are a little spoiled now. Cause you know, if I'm talking to myself from, from like seven, eight years ago, I, I, like the me from back then would be like, what do you like? You won the bowl last year. Like, right, right. like take the year off, you know, like stop letting it control your life. Not, not that it does, but I was pretty, I was bad after that loss. I, I was really, yeah, I, no, I had to get up and take a walk, take the trash out and get some fresh air. I was just extremely frustrated. I had to so. call you to console me. I was I like, Dean, I need to, I got a call from our father and then I got a call from you. So I guess I'll take, I'll take the badge of honor as, as Mr. Logical and down to earth, but I was freaking the hell out. Um, okay. Before we move over to the defense, quick break, liquid death, Nick, do you have a liquid death on you? No, no. Okay. I don't either, but that's Sorry. okay. What? It's, <laughs> I put you on the spot. It's fine. Um, there's a new water brand out there and you may have heard of it. You may have not. It looks like a tall boy, but it's actually just a mountain spring water that's available and still sparkling and three flavors. It's liquid death. There's something about drinking water out of a can. It's extraordinarily refreshing. You could fool whomever it may be. You could bring it to a party, put it in a brown paper bag and start slugging it. Everybody's going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Are you drinking a 40? Nope. Let me pull the bag down. It's actually a liquid death. I wish I had one in my hand right now because I'm awfully thirsty. Um, you go to your, go get a liquid death at your local Whole Foods, Ralph's, Albertsons, Vons, or 7-Eleven, or find a liquid death at a retailer near you with a store locator tool at www.liquiddeath.com slash LAFB. Here it is right on your screen. Okay, Nick, the defense. Do you want to start it off with the defense? I mean, Ben, don't break, force no turnovers. What other nicknames can you give them? Well, I think the defense played amazing yesterday. Good. Uh, I think they did a really good job. Uh, the Bobby Wagner performance on that kick, I know, I know that's special teams, but that's, you know, that's Bobby Wagner stepping up for the team. Um, the defense felt like they actually wanted to be there. Uh, Aaron Donald is still a beast, uh, stopping the run game well. There was a dropped pick six, which just the Rams just – can't help themselves on defense dropping these um, these clear balls that hit their hands. And it is – oh, my God. It is ever so hard to watch. Was it the Kendrick one that you're referring to? Was it Donald? No, it was the Kendrick one. And you know what? Kendrick was a receiver coming out of high school, going into, into college. And, you know, that's just – those are the kind of guys and players and plays that you have to make when you're put in that situation. I totally agree with you. It's so frustrating. It's like and they've had so many opportunities to force turnovers and the ball is just not bouncing their way or it's not falling into their hands. And it's just not, it's not working for them. And it's, it's really tough to watch. But the defense did exactly what they had to do to win that game. Yeah. Everything besides totally. the last play, which is shouldn't even have even come down to that. I mean, the only thing you can really um, – criticize them on is the Mike Zimmer prevent defense with 45 seconds left. Um, you had like, it, it doesn't work. It's clear that that is old language football and you're not preventing anything. Clearly um, you let them in the end zone. 
And then that one PI call in the uh, in the end zone was just horrible, and that was the yeah. game right there. Yep. Yeah. And it's because if they run that ball on, there's 12 seconds left in the game. If they run it, you know they had a they had a window, but yeah, they sure did. No, you're right though. It's hard to be truly mad at the defense. The offense is so amazingly bad, but it feels like they very much have I'm, this. It's like St. Louis. They're very much married into like this conservative and conservative on both sides of the ball. Like we're going to play not to lose versus playing to win. And that's why it's so frustrating. Like when you see that prevent, you see 10 yards off, you, you see the soft coverage, the zone coverage. Like it doesn't feel like you're truly taking any shots to pick off Tom Brady or to pin your ears back and rush the passer and really let your, your personnel do its work on the back end. And that's what's really frustrating. And you know, it's, it's Floyd, it's Hollins. Like our two edge rushers don't get any pressure whatsoever. Like Gaines has been rotating in and out with Copeland. Kendrick and Rapp are both problems. Like those are five starters, three in the front, two in the back that you could probably replace or upgrade. But because they have no pass rush whatsoever, like it just it's making these defensive backs' jobs a lot harder, even when you are in a 10 yard pillow. So that's what's difficult is like yeah. the Rams' only sack in this game. Nick came on a stunt where Aaron Donald just consumed the entire right side of the offensive line, and Leonard Floyd just waltzed up the A-gap and was able to get a free shot on Tom Brady. Like, that that was it. Like, they're essentially trying to just speed rush. They have no set of moves whatsoever. I commented on Twitter, they have no bag. I think that's the basketball terminology for just having, like, no dribbling ability, like, no shot package, no nothing. Like, they're just straight pass rushers. No, there's They don't resemble Von Miller in the slightest. So that's what's really tough just to watch this defense is they're playing that way because they there's that's really what they have personnel-wise. I, I just don't feel like there's an easy fix versus just jamming corners on the line of scrimmage just to have them get beat on the back end for Taylor Rapp to be in one-on-one coverage with Mike Evans. Like, nobody wants that. Ugh. I mean, even though he dropped probably five passes, nobody wants to see Taylor Rapp and Chris Godwin running down the sidelines. Like, it's... So they're trying to do everything they can to keep everything in front of them and to be able to force turnovers in situations where Tom Brady makes a mistake or a player jumps in front of a pass. And they had three of those, four of those, Nick. Ball gets bad at the line of scrimmage, shoots right up and, you know, falls down to the ground. Nobody's able to pick it up. Like, it's just, you're so close. That's the kind of stuff that you would need to happen to win a game when we were the St. Louis Rams. Ball had to bounce to a defender in order for us to get defensive points because we knew our offense was only going to put up like seven, yep. six. Yep. Um, and, yeah, you know, that's exactly what we needed yesterday, and it didn't happen. And just the more I, uh, the more we talk about the defense, it's, it's just so sad because we got a lot of breaks too. There were a lot of drops in that game, and the defense did do a good job containing them throughout. Yeah, I mean, um, how about the Scotty Miller game-winning touchdown drop on third and ten? Yeah, I mean, give me a break. The ball like, like the that's the kind of stuff where you don't like you drop that ball, you lose that game. 100%. And yet they dropped it, and they were still able to win because our offense has no balls. <laughs> it's, it's true, true, though. I know it's it's true. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to specifically pick on Darion Kendrick because I feel like most of my 
remaining energy for the day has been exerted onto the offense, <laughs> but he was penalized twice. And like, I just watched Brady take advantage of him. And the reason why I was saying that the Rams need another corner, as we posted our list of needs, we only have five needs. No, we have 15. Um, Darion Kendrick, I think, is is a guy that could be replaced, right? I mean, he's the second corner. Darius Williams was a guy that I thought was developing very nicely, and obviously Jacksonville gave him a bag. And he's put into a situation where can Kobe Durant be a better player in that position? Can uh, can David Long Jr. be a better player in that position? I guess they've evaluated that Kendrick is the guy that consistently steps up and knows what he's doing. But I he's feel not. like he's – yeah, I, I don't feel like he is. And I said – corner two because that's the true corner like troy hills is not corner two like he is the slot corner there's a big difference between a guy who plays on the outside and a guy who plays on the inside and runs with linebackers and and receivers that play in the slot right that darion kendrick is supposed to be a guy that can handle one-on-one responsibility as a second corner opposite of jalen ramsey should be able to do and he can't do that to me right now in this defense, in this scheme. So maybe it's a bad scheme fit for anytime him. Anytime you maybe see just a rookie, but yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated with it. Anytime you see six in a play, you're, are you're like up oh, 10 yards. <laughs> yeah. It's a, he's giving it up. He's not making yeah. any play on this ball. It's going to go over his head. And, and that's just that, or there's a flag and yeah. it's, yeah, that's tough to watch. And I know that's, you know, DB, it's a thankless job, and it's going to be really hard to make an impact because most of the time you're not even going to see them if they're doing a good job. Yep. But yep. a lot of mistakes, a lot, a lot of mistakes, and the clear glaring hole on the defense. So that's why the unit wasn't able to produce the win. Um, but it it – it really shouldn't have come down to him. So it's kind of a little unfair to be picking on him. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have come down to him whatsoever. He did his job, right? I mean, he, they did everything that they could to prevent a touchdown after that third and 10 was dropped by Scotty Miller. So, and then, you know, the PI happens on the one yard line and the next series and they score. And that's where the frustration sets in. But like Brady, like, is this the defense that you wanted to instill? Like just allowing Brady to drop back 58 times, sack him once, maybe touched him another couple of times, allow him to throw for nearly 300 yards in a game-winning touchdown. Like, is that the formula that you you built? Like, this is a team that only runs for 50 yards a game. They ran right on their number, 20 carries for 51 yards. And, you know, in the very last moments, it seems like everything's working, and then there's the eventual breakdown. But it's because the offense put them in such bad positions, and they have done it all year long. Like, imagine how demoralizing it feels to be a defensive player to get off the field, to work your ass off, to finally get off the field, just to watch your offense turn the ball back over. Nothing. Seconds. Nothing. Yeah. No, I know. It's insanely frustrating. All right. We've talked about the offense. We've talked about the defense. Uh, the segment that I've officially renamed to Monday Pain is back. It is the second <laughs> week of Monday Pain. And uh, I'm going to start it off with a pretty interesting tweet, one that was actually my favorite, which is why I have it listed as number one. And I think it's going to be a good way to get the segment started. So I'll Wait, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Explain go ahead. explain what's going on for our listeners. Yes, yeah, so let me set the stage. I'm sorry. So exactly what's going on is when your team loses a game in a horrible fashion, I think fans need to find an outlet to be able to vent. 
or to state their opinion or to just kind of bring some logic to the table so that we can have a fun little conversation and move on about our day. Um, that's what this segment's all about. It's just about having a, a genuine reaction to what you watched the day before and how you're potentially going to see through it and um, try and figure out what the next steps are. So that's hashtag Monday pain for you. Is that good, Nick? Anything you'd like to add? That was perfect. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. As somebody right. who, yeah, who just needed to remember what it was. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so for the first tweet, um, let me get rid of this hashtag now because it's in the way of what I'm about to read. Um, okay, so this is from Krakatoa, and his at is the one who is not. <laughs> Absolutely love that name. Um, but his comment was, I feel strangely at peace. Every goddamn season since 2018 has been high stakes, media rooting for our downfall kind of emotional roller coaster. And now we can finally chill because we got what we wanted and we could watch our jealous division rivals chase the same exact high and fail miserably. That is poetic and beautiful. I That is such an amazing silver lining and it is true gratitude from a fan that has been through a lot. Uh, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, you know, I, I don't even have anything else to say about that. I just honestly like, I mean, so Jeff's kids. I, I actually read that yet. I was like, that's such a perfect tweet. I just, that has to be the first one that we, that we read. And then my other thought was, uh, this is going to be sick and sounds crazy as a fan, but if the 49ers are in the Super Bowl or the Seahawks are in the Super Bowl or something outrageous, like I want to throw a Super Bowl party just to watch them lose. Like that, <laughs> that's what I want to see now. And I'm totally on the side of the one who is not. And I, I feel like I just can kind of sit back and try to enjoy the rest of the season. Like the good thing about the podcast is we could always make recommendations. We could always talk through things. You know, it kind of is our own little version of therapy, but. Like, I'm going to be rooting so hard for the 49ers to collapse. 49ers, yes. I, this may be sacrilege, guys, but <laughs> I'm liking what I'm seeing from Seattle. And Geno no, Smith no, is. Dude, if you like football, how do you not like it? It's, it is such a feel-good um, Disney Channel original movie story going on over there. And yeah. it is. And I, I I don't like Pete Carroll, but I'm not actively rooting against them. And I want them to win the – like, if we're not going to win it, it better not be San Francisco. Right. Like, yeah, for them to do all of that stuff and then Seattle beats them and wins the division, oh, God, right. that would be – Would be very serendipitous. Yes. And Geno Smith quickly rises to the MVP conversation, which is what we all expected. We, we are quoted on this podcast saying that we believe – Seattle will be one of the worst teams in the league. So uh, right here, I have uh, I have Drew Luck over uh, four thousand yards. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. People were like believing the fact that Drew Luck was actually going to start. I had, had no part in that, but to see Geno Smith doing what he's doing is pretty outrageous. All right, next tweet. You got this one. Yeah. All right. This tweet comes from at Padre McVeigh. <laughs> he says, "IMO," which for those who don't know, means in my opinion, the whole offense is flawed. You don't go three and out for a whole quarter against an average defense just because of a bad O line. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You don't offenses in this league 
they could have a bad offensive line. You might not have key personnel, but you can't go third and out consistently. It kills your defense. It's the reason why they were so exhausted in that final series. Like, yeah, I, it, it's pathetic. It shows no creativity. It shows no desire to change in a world that is constantly changing. The only constant is change. Mm-hmm. And I think they went in the offseason with the same playbook, and they were like, Liam Cohen here. Why don't you just kind of yeah. – you know, add some fun new extremities here, but don't change too much because hey, it just worked like a, like a charm, and really it didn't. I mean, you almost lost to the Bengals, but still, it worked. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I agree, Padre. Yeah, I, I had something in my mind that I wanted to comment on, but yeah, I'm just I'm frustrated with the Liam Cohn situation, right? I, and I see Frank Reich get fired, and I'm like, oh, my God, I would absolutely love him in the building, and I would love to just replace him one for one with Liam Cohn, 100%. Yeah, and, and that's somebody that will get a job. And that's somebody that, oh, my God, Frank Reich, one of the greatest uh, uh, decisions I've ever seen this year. Uh, it was Colts-Jags, and it's like third and one, and everybody thinks they're going to just get the first down, kick the field goal, win the game. Frank Wright was like, hell no, Matt Ryan, seam, down the side, touchdown, Colts, put the game away. That's pretty when it when it works. But we've seen the other, remember four weeks ago, second and one, two, two Atwell? Mm. Complete. Mm. But I agree with you. Yeah, you got to have somebody that has the balls, at least, to be able to take those shots. And, you know, if there's a kind of a battle between McVay and Liam Cohn, like, it just your seeing, I, and again, another stupid comment by me saying that there's not going to be any specific drop-off from O'Connell to Liam Cohn just because of Liam Cohn's pedigree. Wrong, wrong, and completely wrong. Yeah. I Well, yeah, that was our worst take. I actually – I mean, I was on the right side of that because I thought Kevin O'Connell yeah, was, was – You were right. You were to- – I mean, you know, I guess I was just trying to be optimistic. Which is fine. Loser. All right, I'll read the next one. All right, this one's from Luke. At Luke France, ZZ. Um, okay, the defense, while I don't particularly agree with the soft zone, looked great yesterday, even made a great fourth down stop to seemingly seal the game. Yep, all Aaron Donald. But McVeigh and his horrible goddamn play calling cost the team. He's almost laughably predictable. Screen passes and no running kills them. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what we talked about already in this episode is there's a stale – component to this offense that seems like it's you know the league changes every two or three years drastically right you saw a little bit of a transgression towards high-powered rush offenses and then the cover two shell that's been implemented in this league to stop the high-powered passing attacks like the offense is consistently adjusting the whole league's consistently adjusting and when you don't have the perfect personnel to run your perfect offense and you're still trying to implement that same offense with players who can't technically run it that's why we are in the position that we're in right now. And let me just say this. Um, from Facebook and Reddit today, what I mainly saw was fire Morris. And it's nice to see that like, like-minded Twitter followers of ours are not on that train and can clearly see that if you think that that is the problem – then you are a problem <laughs> because the defense does everything possible to win that game and your offense can't do it. Like where gone are the days of like putting up 20 points. Yeah. It's, I just want, I, I would like 30 back. Oh God. 
they're just laying 30 on teams like it was nobody's business for five years. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of partly what we deserve. Um, sure. Usually after you win a huge bet, you lose the next, like, seven. So, yeah. Oh, what? This just popped back into my mind with the offense. Mm-hmm. It feels like on the third and outs consistently, you ever you ever turn in an assignment for school and, like, you know it's not complete, but the due date is rapidly approaching, and you're like, i got to get this in. Like, that's what it feels like when they're getting in play calls because everything's – Last second, like everything goes down to one on the, on the clock. Like you see Bobby Evans reach out his arm for the silent cap for, for the silent count. And then the ball snapped and it's just like free pass rush. Like there's no disguise. There's no, it's, it's really, really difficult when you're just kind of like operating in this seemingly panic mode for plays and series on end. It's, it's tough. Um, okay. The next one, you got this one. Yeah. This is from Crispy at Crispy A. People need to stop complaining about the defense. Yeah, there we go. Offense needs to score points and keep our defense off the field. Eight out of 12 drives ending in three and out is inexcusable. You said it. Hard to hard to argue with that at all. It yeah. seems like there is a constant theme of frustration with Sean McVay right now. The man who turned down Amazon and maybe is thinking, should I give them a call to see if uh, see if that offer's still on the table? Can I still yeah. uh, can I still but take your fifty five million? He has always needed some help. Always, yeah. he's always needed a Matt Lafleur, or he's always needed a Brandon Staley, or he's always needed a Kevin O'Connell. Like you, you can't put all this on on one single coach. Like you got some play callers call plays from you know up in the booth. Some guys, you know, are calling plays down on the field next to their coach, and they're totally in rhythm. Like I watched, did you see Liam Cohn? They did a cut where him and Stafford were talking. Liam Cohn goes like this, oh, and then puts his hat back on. Like, Didn't see that. I, I only saw it for a couple of seconds, somewhere in between the first and second quarter. But like when you see your offensive coordinator do that, it just looks like he's in over his head and should probably be back in college at some point. Mm. Just saying. That would number one to number thirty-two. <sighs> yeah, I mean, just think about who we brought in the building, right? And that's who we brought in. And that's a huge reason why we're now 32. Yeah, late in the game in terms of you know winning the Super Bowl and then not having to look for O'Connell takes a job, and then you got to look for a guy in March and April when you're still hungover from the Super Bowl. Like it's- I think there's something to say about losing your guy the very next year because after they lost Staley – was it wasn't like oh wow you know yeah. there was that season where Staley was like potentially coach of the year and the offense or the defense wasn't where it should be and you know mm-hmm. it was like oh shit where's Staley like right. he was the reason you know number yeah, one first six weeks of the season last year I was a little bit skeptical right it was t- completely different from Brandon Staley's methodology they changed yeah. a lot about the defense yeah big time and personnel change too as yeah. it does every year all right last one just you. Yeah, Ron Karras at High Desert Ron, hashtag Monday Pain. This is in here because he used the hashtag correctly and also because he's a fan uh, or he's a 56-year-old fan. Like his comment, I'm a a 56-year-old fan. It's been a long time that I got so aggravated by a Rams loss. I understand the offensive line issues, but bench Evans, he's a complete liability. 
McVeigh needs to get out of, of his own head and not be so predictable with the play calling. I mean, I think that one kind of takes us home, right? Yeah. It's everything that we've said in this episode, uh, you know, somebody that's been watching football for over 50 years. Um, it's, you know, and shout out to Ron. Cause I know Ron is a, a two-time cancer survivor and a tough guy. So we love you here at the pod, Ron. Um, but you know, just, just smart. Yeah, thinking. Buddy. I think the Rams, the Rams technically have, some really smart fans, I guess technically isn't the terminology that I should use, but there are some very smart followers of the podcast. There are some people that are very, very, very in tune with what's going on from a week to week basis. We very much appreciate you guys. I, I sent this tweet out and I checked it in three minutes. I didn't see any comments. I was like, is everybody just too pissed off the comment? And then they started rolling in. So thank you, you guys for being a part of the segment. The, these five tweets were the best in our opinion, that we were able to read. So thanks for keeping us sane, talking us off the ledge, following the pod, and being committed Rams fans like us. Ron, we love you. Um, Also, if you didn't make it this week, guys, like if you didn't get on hashtag Monday pain, like, you know, we, I read every single one of them. Um, I just appreciate you guys just, you know, also having to go through a little bit of therapy together. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for uh, being a co- being a collective uh, AA meeting, essentially. Yep, it's it's a good group therapy session. Um, what else? I f- stuff is falling out of my brain today. All right, one more thing before we go. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We're not going anywhere, and we appreciate you guys always. Yeah, still champs, guys. All year. We're champs all year. Champ, champ, champ. We're good. Hang your your heads high. Champ. (laughs) Mumbo jumbo. Peace. Wouldn't it be a Rams Brothers episode without this obscure banjo reference? Peace. Indeed.